Praise the Lord. Welcome to church, everybody. I'm telling you, I, I wish you could just sit up here in the front sometime and just listen. I, as you were singing that chorus, I just was able to stop and, and just listen to your voices. How sweet is it to hear the praise of God's people to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I can guarantee you, the Lord is pleased with your voices as you sing to him. He inhabits the praises of his people. So I'm just glad that you've come together um, to help us, sorry, to help us worship um, the Lord and lift high his name. Go ahead and have a seat. And um, welcome to church, everybody. And those of you who are visiting for the first time, we're really glad that you're here. Maybe you're online um, visiting with us today. All of you online, welcome uh, to church today. But if you're visiting with us, I think you can uh, access a card that looks something like this. Those of you who are in the building, and this is your first time, please take one of these out and fill it out. And um, at the end of the service, you could take it straight back to the welcome desk, and we have a gift bag for you there. We just love to have a record that you were here today and, and be able to come alongside of you in your walk with the Lord, because that's what we're all about, coming together like this. And if you're new to First Baptist, this is what we do. You just need to know we're just a bunch of normal we say it like this, we're a bunch of broken people, and we're just doing our best to be like Jesus because we're not. And we come together like this to encourage one another, to hear from the word, apply the word to our lives, change the way we're living so that we can be an impact, have an impact for Jesus. And so unashamedly, we come together to lift high the Lord through our song. Um, we're going to do right now what we do every week, so don't feel awkward if this is your first time, but we... We, we give to the Lord every week. This is your opportunity right now um, to give to the Lord. You know how we do it now. We have four different ways that you can give. Most of them are online platforms um, that you can give to the Lord. If you do have a gift here in the building, um, we'd like to give it. The ushers will be waiting for that, waiting on you for that at the end of the service. But um, we give joyfully, right, unto the Lord. We're, we're, it's a privilege to give to the Lord. And so that's part of our act of worship every week. And so... I'd like to release you at this time to go ahead and give your gifts to the Lord. And, and while you're doing that, is it okay if I just start my message right now? Because yeah. that's what we're going to do. So um, I'm just going get, to get going. And this is how I want to start. <clears throat> By saying this, I have some really good news. You want some good news? Yeah. All right. Jesus is alive. That's the good news. That's the greatest news anybody can hear is that Jesus is alive. And he's alive and well. He's not alive and sick. He's not alive and hindered. He's not alive and not active in the world. He is alive and well, and he's in heaven right now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father in his proper place on the throne of God in heaven. And here's some great news for today. And this is what we're going to lean into today. And he's coming back. He's coming back for us, so he's alive, he died, he was buried, he rose victoriously over sin and death from the grave, he rose up, he was resurrected, he ascended to heaven, he's sitting now on the right hand of the Father, and he's soon coming back for his church. That's really good news, my friends. That's really good news. Now, um, we're going to get cranked up about that, hopefully, as the morning goes on, but I want you to know, no matter what anybody tells you, um, the date and time are set for his return. Yeah. And um, if, they, if anybody tells you that they, does, does anybody want to tell us when it's going to happen? <laughs> you know what, brother? Um, only the Father knows, he said. And that's true because Jesus says, I don't even know the hour or the time. But the date is set. 
The time is set. God knows when it's going to happen. It's not gonna be a surprise to him. Our eternal future is in God's hands and his plan is in place and scriptures tell us that nothing and no one can thwart the plans of God. And so your future and my future are secure and they are certain. The facts are settled. Jesus is coming back. If you want to shout, you can. You know, Larry, we love it because you, you love to shout, brother. And so if you want to shout like Larry, if you want to be like, I want to be like Larry, just go ahead. Any time along the way today, if you get excited about the hope that we're going to see in the scriptures about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to shout, do it. Because we are supposed to shout for joy unto the Lord. And those of us who know him should have a plenty to shout about. And so if that pops up, you just go ahead, all right? Because here's the deal. Someday, very soon, we are going to hear a cry from heaven. We're going to hear the voice of a mighty archangel and what's called the trumpet call of God. The sky is going to brighten with the appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the scripture tells us that in a twinkling of an eye, all those in Jesus Christ are going to be caught up together and we are going to be changed, and here's the word, forever. We're going to be changed fundamentally forever. Every reality you've ever heard about in a sermon, every reality you've ever read about in the pages of scripture and hoped for will become our forever reality in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in that moment, which is what we're gonna be talking about today, which is known as the rapture of the church, or better yet, the return of Jesus for his bride. I'm gonna be referring to it as that for the rest of the morning. Well, why not the rapture? People get confused when you use the word rapture because you don't find the word rapture in the scripture, okay? But we use the word rapture because the word translated um, being caught up together in the passage we're gonna be using today is a derivative of the Greek word, a Greek word and a Latin word that means, if you, if you bring that over into English, it means to be raptured. It means to be caught up or snatched up is what it means, or snatched away or snatched out of. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about, but it's all about the return of Jesus Christ for his bride. And we're gonna be in 1 Thessalonians 4, so take your Bibles and let's go there. And um, I'm gonna try and calm down. You know, Robin's a great gauge for me, and she says, Phil, you kind of were yelling the whole time. So this is the one time I'm not yelling. I just want to. But the thing is, I'm excited, you guys. <laughs> I'm excited about the message of this today and the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. So please forgive me if I'm a little over the top today, all right? But it's coming out of 1 Thessalonians 4. I want to read this passage to you, and then we're going to break things down, okay? So 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. Now, let me just ask you, if you're, how many of your translations say those who have fallen asleep? How many say that? That is a really good translation. And how sweet is it? How sweet is it that God and God's writers of the scriptures 
refer to those who die in Jesus Christ, believers who pass as they're falling asleep. Because of the truth we're gonna see today, God knows that for his children, when they die physically, they're just asleep because of what's coming, because there are better things ahead. How sweet is that? So we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died or who have fallen asleep so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord, say it with me, how long? Forever. Okay, say, come on, say that again with gusto. Forever. Does that excite you? We will then be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. There's the goal of Paul's writing here. Paul's goal was to encourage these baby believers, these ones that don't know about the future. They hadn't been taught about what's going to happen. They weren't there when Jesus was teaching about this when he was alive on the earth. And so Paul needed to tell them and encourage them and comfort them in the questions that they had about their loved ones who had died. Now, the church isn't very old here, but evidently some believers in the church body had died, or maybe some people had some loved ones who were in Christ had died, and they didn't know how to process that because of the culture. I'm going to share with you a little later on about their culture. They're a little confused about that. And so Paul's goal is to encourage them and comfort them with truth. And that's our goal today in working through this. In fact, some have said after last week, we all could use a little encouragement. Last week was a hard message. But how awesome is the word of God that when we talk about a really hard thing, Right on the heels of that, it comes back with some incredible eternal hope for us. And that's, that's the goal today, is that you find some encouragement and some comfort because we could all use some confident expectation of better days ahead. Anybody with me? That is our hope, okay, is that there are better days ahead because too many Christians are sad and depressed right now. That's not okay with the Lord. That's not his plan for you. Too many Christians feel hopeless and helpless because of all that's going on around them right now and what's going on in the world right now. And the more you lean into what's happening in the world, the harder it is to cope. Too many Christians are struggling and like desperately concerned about the future or really anxious and worried about the future. What's our world gonna look like? What's it gonna look like for my kids? I'm hearing a lot right now. I don't know if I wanna raise kids right now. I don't know if we even wanna have kids right now and bring them into this world that's so bad. That's not God's plan for us as his people. In fact, when we get like that, I would like to propose to you this, this truth. It's because you have lost sight 
of the soon coming, the hope of the coming of the Lord Jesus for you, his church. We have to keep that in our sights so that we can deal with all that's coming our way because the hope of every Christian is the return of the Lord. In fact, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is the hope of the church. One day you'll make everything new. Jesus, one day you will bind every wound. The former things will all pass away. No more tears. Hallelujah. One day you'll make sense of it all. Jesus, one day every question resolved. Every anxious thought left behind. No more fear. Amen? Come on, church. When we all get to heaven, what a day.
When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Are you getting excited? Are you getting filled with hope? Go ahead and have a seat. Listen to me, my friends. If we are to be encouraged and comforted by this truth, then we need to understand it. And what I'm going to attempt to do today is show you what the Holy Spirit laid on Paul's heart to write down in the Word of God to the people of God about the Father's declaration of our certain and glorious future of every single believer. I'm not gonna give you my opinion on the matter. You okay with that? I'm not gonna give you my interpretation of the end times or end time prophecy. I'm not gonna get into all that. I'm resisting the temptation to do that, actually. Um, so many people come to me from time to time and they say, hey, you're preaching on this, but you could have gone there. And I'm like, you're right. I could have. If I had like four hours, you know, to deal with it and to talk to you guys, but I don't, right? I've got 45 minutes and, or around there. <laughs> That's the goal every week. Did you know that? That's the goal every week, 45 minutes. We put it down. I'm like, go ahead and write it down. It probably doesn't matter. (laughs) There's so much talk about and around what we're going to talk about today, the return of the Lord Jesus for his church. I'm not going to go to all the different views. You know, lay out all eight views, Phil, you know, so that we can pick which one we like. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what Paul did. I'm going to be true to the word here. And I'm going to simply bring to you the facts about the return of Jesus for his church that Paul gave these brand new believers. These new believers didn't have um, books on theology. They didn't have um, seminaries to go to to learn about it. Nothing had been written on it. So they, they were just these brand new believers in Jesus Christ. And Paul said, Here, I want to comfort you on some things about the future times. And so if you're okay, you okay with that? I know some of you would be disappointed. You saw me coming up to this passage. You're like, he's going he's gonna to tell us. That. I'm just going to tell you what Paul told them, okay? And that's what we're going to do today. But this is what was on Paul's heart as he wrote verse 13. He said, brothers and sisters, we want you to know. It's important for you to understand these things that I'm going to tell you about. Because if you don't have a proper knowledge of the things that are coming of Jesus Christ's return, then you're going to have a hard time getting through the things of the world. And so we want you to know, and here's what they want you to know, what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. In other words, we don't want you walking around in the dark. We want you to know the truth about the afterlife. 
here's the, the tragic part of this is that there are actually Christians who don't truly under, understand that Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back to get his church. And they're confused about a lot of things. In fact, there are some real skeptics out there on this whole issue. And here's how they come at it. Hey, um, wasn't this written like 2,000 years ago? Well, what's the answer? Yes, and doesn't it sound like Paul's speaking as though it's gonna happen tomorrow? I mean, how many of you have been in church like most of your life and you remember being a kid and you remember hearing pastors get up and preach on the return of Jesus Christ and they're talking about like, get ready, it's coming tomorrow. And you're like, awesome. And now I'm 105 and it still hasn't happened. Right, I mean, like, where is it? Some of the skeptics out there are like, this is not gonna happen. They wrote about it 2,000 years ago and tried to hype everybody back then in the church to get ready, it's coming, and it still hasn't come. So where is he, Phil? Well, my answer to that would be, well, hang on. His plans are not your plans. And they're much higher. You don't understand the ways of God. You can't understand the ways of God. In fact, didn't the Jews... Didn't the Jews look forward to their Messiah for over 3,000 years? Nod your head. Yeah, unfortunately, some of the the Jews, the unbelieving Jews, are still waiting for the Messiah to come. They don't know that he's already come, and they crucified him. But they waited. Okay, answer. Answer this question. Did he come? Did the Messiah come? Yeah, well, so Jesus is coming back, too. And you know how we know it? Well, because you told us, Phil. No. Yes, brother, hold your Bible up. It's because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And we're reading about it right now. Jesus is going to come back for his church, no matter what the skeptics say. And Paul's saying, I don't want you to be like those people. I want you to be a church who is full of hope and anticipation of the soon coming of the Lord, and we want you to know where your loved ones are because they were concerned about that. And so why would Paul want them to know that? What does the Bible say? We want you to know where your loved ones are because we don't want you to what? Grieve wrongly about those who have fallen asleep. We don't want you to be in ignorance like everyone else in the world on the thing about what's going on with your, with your, belief, with your dead relatives or dead church members. Now, I, have, I wanna stop here and just talk about this because some people take this wrongly that Paul is somehow saying, don't grieve. And that's not what he's saying. Don't let anybody tell you that it's unhealthy to grieve the loss of a loved one. In fact, it's unhealthy not to grieve the loss of a loved one. In fact, not even, it's not even dependent upon how close you were, the relationship. We grieve. Anytime we lose someone, that's why it's called, we call it loss because it's true. We lose a piece of ourselves. And especially when you lose a loved one or we lose a dear brother or sister in Christ from the church. We grieve, and it's, it's human to grieve. You're supposed to grieve. I, you guys, 
I'll grieve every day of my life. I grieve every day of my life for the losses in my world. That's not unhealthy. What's unhealthy is for God's people to grieve like the rest of the world who have no hope. That's what Paul's getting at. We want you to know what happens to those who have died who are asleep in Christ so that you will grieve the right way, so that you won't grieve without hope of, what, of where they are and what's coming for you. That's what he's talking about here. See, they lived in a culture that was pagan and polytheistic, multiple gods, um, idol worship everywhere, but it not, didn't, wasn't just their religion, it permeated their whole life. And that's what they were used to, and that's what they were taught. And so from birth, they were taught there is no afterlife. In, in their culture, they had the Stoics who believed that there was no afterlife. When you die, you live, and you worship your God, whoever that God was that you wanted to worship. And then when you die, your body and your soul are consumed in the fire of your God. You actually become part of your God, and you cease to exist. There were the Epicureans who believed that there was no afterlife. And therefore, it sounds a lot like America, therefore there's no reason to fear a coming judgment. There's no accounting on how you should live today. In fact, live it up, live for yourself, chase after and do anything and everything that can bring you happiness. Here's why, because this is all there is. And you're gonna, when you die, you just cease to exist. So you're not living for anything in the future, you're living for now. So get all the gusto you can, because this is as good as it gets. How depressing is that? If this world is as good as it gets, we're miserable people. And Paul wants them to know, that's, that's not for you. you, that's not what we believe. There is a future hope that drives the way that we live here, in the here and now. Paul's like, first, in verse 14, that's not what we believe. We believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again. We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him, there it is, there's the teaching, the believers who have died. So Jesus died and rose again, and if he dies to conquer death and offer salvation freely to all who believe, do you think that in the end, God will abandon those that he has saved. Not a chance. In fact, we're called the bride of Christ. Uh, trying to resist the temptation here. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Some people... So there's, a, there's teaching, there's heavy teaching going on right now that the church is going to live through the, the tribulation and that Christ is gonna come back for the church and he's gonna come back. He's going to come back for the church, it's a fact. He's gonna come back and receive his bride and take them unto, we're gonna read it about it right today. But it's like a bungee jump. It's like we go up with him and then come back with him for his second coming and then he's gonna declare war on the earth. And we're gonna live through the wrath of God being poured out on the world. Well, if Jesus came to die for us and to save us from the wrath that is to come, that's biblical, and we are his bride, do we really think that he would subject his bride 
to an abusive father and say, hey, dad, go beat up my bride for a while so I can bring her home. I just don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. There. That doesn't bring me hope. We're supposed to be getting hope here. And what Paul wants them to know is, <laughs> in fact, I, I, oh man, I'm deep in it now. Um, I would think Paul would say, hey, by the way, you're gonna have to be a little depressed because you're gonna get beat to death during the tribulation and then Jesus is gonna come back and, and take you. So you're gonna have to suffer through it, just deal with it. Wouldn't he want to tell new believers that? He didn't. This is what he said. He said, we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again and we also believe that when he returns, he's gonna bring back with him those who have died. There's a glorious thing that's gonna happen here where he's coming back for his church to take them out of this world. Which begs the question, where are the believers now? Where are they now? Answer. Where are the, those who have died in Christ now, who are asleep in Christ, where are they now? Huh? Come on, say it out loud. In heaven. In heaven. How do you know that? Because so. the Bible tells us. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, though I don't fully understand it, we die here on this earth, and while we're here, we die, and our bodies stay here. They get put in a grave. We all watch it happen, and it rots out, and it turns to dust, but our souls are in heaven, and we talked about this in the heaven series. I don't know exactly what that is. Does he give us a physical, spiritual body of some kind in heaven during this time? There's gonna come back. They're gonna, he's gonna bring all of those who have died in Christ, he's going to bring them back with him at this return for his bride. That's an awesome truth. In fact, the Bible says that it is precious in the sight of the Lord, the death of his saints, as they receive them up into heaven. And he's referring to, of course, all those who have died in Christ. Verse 16 de declares that, that they are called the dead in Christ. Those are the ones who will come back with him. So it's not everybody who's dead is in heaven. I need to make that clear. Not everybody who has died is in heaven right now. Only those who have died in Christ. What does that mean, Phil? It means those who have confessed their sin, repented of their sin, and received the salvation of Jesus Christ. When that happens, they are now the bride of Christ, and when they die, they are in heaven, and they're gonna come back with Jesus. Oh, and by the way, Paul says, verse 15, we aren't making this up. In case you're just thinking we're making this up, we want you to know that we tell you this directly from the Lord. Don't read this, he says, as though men were writing this to you. You need to understand that we received this from the Lord and we're declaring it to you as from the Lord. It's probably referring to when Jesus told the disciples in John 14, verses one through three, where he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He was talking about he's going to leave them and this is how his description is. My father's house has many rooms and if that were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. This is what he's talking about in 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm gonna go prepare a place for you and then I'm gonna come back to get you and take you there. But the, those who have died in Christ are already there with him and they're gonna, he's gonna bring them back with them. Look at verse 15. He goes on to say, we who are still living when the Lord returns... 
Can I read that one more time? We who are still living when the Lord returns. Um, that's us right now. You do know that the Lord could return right now. Wouldn't that be crazy? If all of a sudden we just like, we, we hear the sound, you know, we hear all the sounds of the trumpet and everything, and bam, we're gone. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> you ever seen anybody do rapture practice? Want to see it again? Yeah. No, 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 Phil, I never want to see that again. <laughs> we who are still living when the Lord returns, we could actually, my friends, we could be here. We could be alive. And what that's telling us is not every Christian is going to face physical death. There are going to be many Christians when Jesus comes back for his church that are still alive. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Those who have died, they get a head start. Some people have said they're six feet under. They need, they need more time. That's not the why. We will not meet him ahead of those who have died. What does that mean? Here's what it means. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Now, can I, I just want to stop here and talk about this a little bit. The Lord himself is coming down. Why? You ever think about that? I mean, he's God. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Why doesn't he just say to a, a band of angels, go, go get the church? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Because he said he's coming back to get them. But let me just put it this way. If we are the bride of Christ, what groom sends somebody to go get his bride? In fact, Jesus doesn't know the time or the hour, okay? So he's waiting for the voice of the Father, who's the only one who knows, to say, son, go get your bride. And so Jesus isn't gonna say, he, you, can, can you just see it in heaven? God, son, go get your bride. And Jesus turns to a bunch of angels flying around, worshiping, saying, hey, can you guys go get the bride? I just don't feel like going to get her right now. <laughs> I know I'm putting a lot in here, but that's what's happening. Jesus is coming back for his bride, the whole thing, not part of it. The whole church is, this, is the bride of Christ. He's coming back. He's bringing those who have died, and he's coming back for the rest of us to gather him, us to himself. In fact, it says here that the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Anybody know what the commanding shout is? Did you know even John Blodgett didn't know what the commanding shout is? I just knew he would. And I asked him in the first service. He was sitting right down here. I said, Dr. John Blodgett, what is the commanding shout? He goes, I have no clue. None of us know. We don't know what the commanding shout. But my brain, wouldn't it be cool if the commanding shout was that somehow God lets his church hear God, the Father, say, son, Go get your bride. Wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe that's the command. Son, go get your bride. And we get to like hear that sound. Here he comes. And then, and then what does it say next? It says, and then we hear the voice of the archangel. What is the archangel going to say? I don't know. <laughs> but wouldn't it be cool if we hear God the Father say, son, go get your bride. As the, one of the archangels like freaks out and he's like, it's time, and we hear him shout, get ready, everybody, here he comes. He's coming for you. 
I don't know. Why is an archangel going to shout? I don't have no, I have no idea. Then there's going to be this awesome trumpet sound of God. And then first, the believers who have died will rise from the graves. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we're going to be with the Lord forever. <laughs> that shouting time right there, that's a, you know, is anybody excited and full of hope yet? Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's, what it, that's what's going to happen. This is really going to happen. You need to understand it, Paul says. You need to look for it. You need to anticipate it. And you need to live like it's happening tomorrow. Mm. The facts of his coming are simple. It, it isn't even hard. It isn't even, I don't have to like explain it to you. I haven't even spent any time really explaining it to you. Just like go down through. Here are the facts. The simple facts of the return of Christ are these. The Lord himself is coming. We know that. That's what the Bible tells us. We also know he's coming in the sky. You don't see anything where he touches his foot down. He is coming in the air. And we go to meet him there. Now, there is the second coming of Christ that is going to come. And at that time, you can read about it in Revelation 19 and 20, Zechariah 14. You can read about it. He, at that time when he comes, he's coming on a white horse. He's coming with judgment and with war on his mind. War against the world and war against sin and war against Satan. And he's going to come, and at that time, he's coming to earth. He's setting his foot on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split open, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and he's going to rule and reign. But that is not what's happening here. He comes in the sky. And then the dead in Christ will rise from their graves first. Then we who are in Christ and are still alive will be caught up with them. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 says that all this will happen in the twinkling of an eye. And then we will be together forever with the Lord. How awesome is that, you guys? You know, we get the Holy Spirit now. How, how precious that is, that we get the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, in fact, I'm gonna be with you because I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit. But when this happens, we will be in the presence of our Savior for the rest of eternity. And I want you to notice it all starts and ends with the Lord. In fact, if you read the scriptures, it starts and ends with the Lord. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As you keep on reading, you realize he's speaking in the plural. So we know that God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all superintending that creation. So the very beginning that we know the scriptures starts with God created the heavens and the earth. Go all the way to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, the last two verses. It ends with God the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's this one little sentence conversation between Jesus and John. And John hears the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ who says this, surely, truly, I am coming back. That's the very end of the scriptures. I am coming back. And you know what John's, John couldn't say anything except this, amen. Amen. Even so, come. Lord Jesus, I want you to stand and respond to that right now.
got a couple more minutes in you? Have a seat, because I just want to ask you this question. What does it mean to wait? We just saying, we wait. We wait for you. You're coming soon. So like a bride waiting for her groom will be, will be the church. Is that your, that's your prayer? That's your heart? We'll, we'll be the church waiting for you and ready for you. What does that mean? Do you know that there's some fanatics out there that this is what it means? Quit your job, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, go in your basement and wait because Jesus is coming back. That's the wrong answer. That's the wrong answer. That is not what he wants from his church. And that's not what it means to wait for the Lord. Can I show you what it means? Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. We are to turn from godless living and simple pleasures. While, and we should live in this evil world. Okay, are you getting it? We're supposed to live in this world, all right? And live in this evil world with wisdom and righteousness and devotion, de- devotion to God while we wait, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of God, God great, uh, slow down, Phil. I'm going to start that over because I don't want you to miss this. We are to live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. So that day is coming. We've heard about it. It's true. It's a fact. We've already studied it. It's been written about. It is coming. But what do we do until then? Do you see it? We turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. That's the old way. That's what we were saved out of. We were called out of that, and now we are supposed to live in Holy Spirit wisdom and righteousness while we wait for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why are we here, my friends? To wait for the coming? No. We're here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of every living being, the only hope that there is, a future salvation and life in Jesus Christ. That has been given to us. We are to take his message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the ends of the earth because hope is in the gospel. There is no hope outside of the gospel. And yet, so how many of us, okay, and I'm, you're like, Phil, I thought you were going to fill us with hope. You're going to, here, here it comes. I can tell you're going to like heap the guilt on. It's going to feel like it. I, I, I don't know how else to say it, but how many, how many Christians are just living for today for themselves right. as we wait? That's not what the Lord wants from us. You are to forsake the old, walk in the new, with the word of the gospel on your lips, and that is the purpose of your life while you wait. Yeah. 
it's not to get a better job. It's not to better yourself in the world. All that is part of the living that we live in this evil world. It's all part of the living, but that is not why you're here. That's not why he left us. In fact, if he could do it another way and he had planned another way, you would get saved and you're done. I don't need you to take the gospel to somebody else because I'm gonna bring you to salvation and I'm gonna bring you to salvation and I don't need anybody else to tell you about it. So I'm just gonna snatch you away and bring you home to be my bride. But that's not his plan. His plan is you wait here. You live in the world and you spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we started this series, we talked about hope. And you maybe have even asked yourself, what is the point of the viewfinder? It's on our, our signs on the road out there and everything else. And if you remember the very first Sunday we were talking about this and introducing First Thessalonians, we talked about the fact that the Bible is like our, our supernatural viewfinder to be able to see what God has in store for his church. And so we were gonna work through this whole thing, but I want you to understand that the only hope that the world has, we have hope because we're in Jesus Christ, and then we have the word of God that we look through the lens of God's word and we say, oh, that's how I have to live, that's how I have to live. And if I live this way, then I've got blessing coming my way, and that's our hope of the future, of better things to come. But for the world, the gospel is the hope of better, of the, of better things to come for their world. Because without the gospel, they're going to hell for eternity. Right. We have heaven to be with Jesus, how long? Forever, because of our walk with God. And we have that to share with other people. So our communications team did an amazing job putting together these little viewfinders that we're gonna give every family, one per family. In fact, it's out there, <laughs> he's all excited. He's out there on the tables that said, don't peek. How many of you peeked? Did you really? <laughs> you need to come forward and get saved at the end of the service here. The disc inside is not a Mount Rushmore. The disc inside is to help us understand how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, those of us who have been around for a while, if you may be new to the church and you hear us talking about the Bible and wristband, you see me wearing a wristband and how we share Jesus with using the tool of the Bible and wristband. Back in 2015, Kyle Martin, Time to Revive, came to town, brought revival to our city and to our whole area and actually to our state. And we climbed in on that and learned how to use this very simple tool, which took a lot of fear for a lot of us, out of sharing the gospel. And if you don't know about that, we're gonna post some, um, some information on how to understand what this Bible and wristband and how do you use it. But this is gonna go along with that and we want every family to have one of these and basically we want it to be a reminder to you but we want you to teach it to your children. We wanna teach it to your children because all of it corresponds with the, with the wristband. So we've got the gospel and when you click down through it, you see that the yellow on the wristband stands for sin. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where you have to begin. Every person has, is a sinner and because of that sin, our relationship with God has been broken and something needs to happen. We go and actually things get worse because you go to the black and it's, it stands for death. Romans 6.23 says that what we earn, the wages of our sin is death. And that death means physical, spiritual separation from Christ in a Christless eternity forever in what the Bible calls hell. And that's a reality. 
But because of his love for you, he made a way for you to not have to suffer that penalty of your sin and earn what your sin demands. And that's the next thing, which is love. Romans 5a says that because of God's love for you, this is how much he loves you, that he was willing to send his son Jesus to die for you while you were still in your sin. You didn't have to do anything about it. You didn't have to be good enough to get it. He, because of his love for you, he made a way of salvation for you. And if you would receive his gift of love, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his death, burial, and resurrection for you, then you can be saved. Which brings you to the next was that by faith you can be saved, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. That it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. That faith and that grace is the gift of God. It's not by works that you come to Jesus Christ. It's all that what he did and provided for you. And if you come into faith in Jesus Christ, then you will have life. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now you're a believer. You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the bride of Christ. And you will someday be taken home to be with Jesus forever. The last slide on this is a simple prayer that you can help somebody understand. Understand, you don't get saved by praying words, okay? But if you believe what this says in some kind of prayer as you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. Great tool to teach your children and your grandchildren on how to share the gospel, the simple truth that is the hope of every person living on the planet. That's our job, my friends. I'm gonna end with this. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a representative of a king to bring the king's will to a foreign land. That should help you understand that we're just passing through here. But we are Christ's ambassadors. We are God's ambassadors. With what? Entrusted with what? Entrusted with the gospel. It says God is making his appeal through us, his church. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God. For God himself, God made Christ who never sinned to be offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen carefully to me, okay? It is crystal clear in Revelation 19 and 20 and Zechariah 14 and other places that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth to judge the world. He is coming back and he's going to declare a heavenly war on the world and on evil and against Satan at the end of the tribulational period. What's interesting is that no king ever goes to war against another nation until they do one thing first. You know what that thing is? They go call all the ambassadors in the land home. That's what the rapture of the church is. That's what the return of Christ's bride is. There's coming a day where he is going to call all of his church home 
And then he's gonna come, and the scripture says that we are coming with him when he comes to bring that judgment. And when that happens, my friends, it's too late. Today is the day of salvation. That's why the Bible says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation for you. We live in the dispensation of grace and of the church. We're living in a time where salvation is offered freely for all who will believe. But that time is coming to an end. And so the call to anyone listening to my voice who does not know the Lord is you don't know if you have tomorrow. And I'm not trying to scare you into heaven. I'm just giving you truth because I love you and I have to speak the truth to you that you don't know if you have tomorrow. None of us do. And that's why if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart, receive him. Those of you who are online with us and those of you in the room here that know, you know in your heart and your mind, I'm not a believer. You just know. (laughs) You're listening to this on purpose. The Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention and you can be saved today and you can have the same hope that we're speaking of here for the church that Jesus is coming back for you. But you have to be saved. And I offer that salvation to you. Jesus is offering that salvation to you. I would love to talk to you about that at the end of the service. If you're online and you want to be saved, you can actually reach out to us online. And we want to help you with that. Don't harden your heart. But my friends, we have a job to do. Jesus is coming soon. And we can say all day long, even so come Lord Jesus. I mean, how many times do we say that in a day? Like, oh Lord, if you just come. I wrestle with that because it feels selfish because the day the Lord comes back for us is the day that you don't have salvation. Very few, very few are gonna be saved in the tribulational period. So we have a lot of work to do as we wait for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's stand together and let me pray over you. Our Father, thank you for this truth, for the hope that is in it, that you're coming back for us. And that we're part of this great eternal plan that you have and we get to be with you forever. That is such an encouragement to know. And, the, and it might happen tomorrow. That's what's so awesome about it. But I pray, Lord, that you'll, you'll inspire our hearts by your spirit that the days are getting shorter and shorter and we believe your coming is uh, getting closer and closer and there are many, many millions of people who need to hear the gospel. So would you just use us and help us understand and have eyes to see those who are lost all around us and take the opportunity to share Jesus with as many people as possible. That that would just be our focus. And we go to our loved ones. Friends, go to your loved ones with this hope, with the hope of the gospel. Go to your work associates. Go to your friends and your neighbors. Tell everybody Jesus is coming back. That's a fact. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the truth of your word that brings encouragement. Encourage our hearts with this message today and challenge us for future ministry. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen.